taking on your first member of staff can be a big leap. It can be a big jump. You have to work out if you've got enough money to employ the person. You have to work out if your business is ready. You are taking on a lot of responsibilities when you take on your first ever member of staff. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. So welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur podcast with the first person I ever hired, Mr. Henry Nicholson. Yeah, it's me. It's me. <laughs> How's it going? You all right? I'm very excited to have you on. It's actually an interesting point in an entrepreneur's journey because you start a business, you build it, you get some work, and then you go, holy moly, I've got more work than I can cope with. But have I really got enough to pay someone else to come and join me? Do I not? How do I do it? it uh, uh, and eventually I went, if I don't do this, I, the business is never going to grow beyond me. Uh, and then you came along, which I guess is an interesting starting point. What was it like for you joining a company? This was before Simon came back. This was like right at the start. What was it like for you? I, it was it was probably a, a massive so shock to the system. Like I was quite young when I joined. I was... Um, I think I'd only just turned 18. So I was still in the very much early. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I hadn't had a career. I wasn't mid-level, um, which meant I was very affordable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good, good on you. Um, but it also meant that, you know, I wasn't particularly coming with any set standard or knowledge Skills. really. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I didn't know what I should expect from a job. Because all I'd had is like retail. I worked in a, an electronics store was like my main job um, mm. before I joined. I sort of dabbled around. I worked at Sony for a little bit. Um, and and yeah, so it was, it was weird because it was kind of stepping into my first, I guess, potential career with absolutely no clue as to what I'd be doing on a day-to-day -day basis. It was exciting and terrifying in equal measure, I think is how I would describe that. And then I was like, Henry... Uh my receipts are in a mess. Help me with that. This event needs promoting. Promote this event. Oh, we need to drive to Doncaster at 3 a.m. on a Monday morning, get in my car, and we'll listen to Tim Ferriss on the podcast for the entire way about how to build businesses. Why aren't you interested, Henry? Why are you sleeping? What are you doing? Um, yeah, it was a bit of a welcome to the business, wasn't it? Oh, my Lord. Your receipts are the bane still the bane of my existence <laughs> like I turned up and Alan went right the first thing that I need help with is my receipt so I went, oh that sounds pretty simple what could that be and then bang on the desk three years of physical receipts most of which the ink three years it, it wasn't felt three like years it. you were exaggerating there Henry oh, I um, think you're underplaying it somewhat <laughs> <laughs> it was so it was colossal and like it was, you know, it was, it was, but it was fun. And it, it actually taught me that one of the very fundamentally important parts of being entre an entrepreneur um, about tracking and measuring and, and knowing and understanding the, the sort of the admin side, I guess. I'm not saying I loved it. 
uh, but I think it was important. It played a good part. Well, I think it's actually really important experience for anyone at the start of their career is to realise you have to track receipts. You have to know where the money goes. And most people in their personal life can't answer where does the money go. At the end of the month, they go, oh, no, where's it all gone? And it's like, well, there's a simple answer. Just track where it goes, categorise it, and you will know where your money goes. But not many people do that in business. No, no, not in business, not in personal life. So and it was good. And the benefit I had is that I didn't have the stress of selling anything. I just got to deal with tracking the money. Yeah, and you did all the hard work. So that was good. That was good fun. I think that's, yeah, that's one of the things you learn as an entrepreneur is when you change from having a job to being an entrepreneur is there is no work. There is nothing to do unless you sell something, unless you make some money. So number one task let's sell some stuff. Once we've sold some stuff, then we can deliver it. But actually, even when we're delivering it, we have to keep going. So what was it like working with me? I'm almost reticent to ask this question because I know Henry is fully open and honest, which scares me slightly. What was it like working with me in the early days, Mr. Nicholson? Oh, you walk a dangerous path, Mr. Donegan. Yeah, it was... um, So I think even before you knew what FI was you were in a very frugal mindset and and you didn't mm-hmm. and 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 I found that very shocking really the whole experience was quite shocking to my system my <laughs> you know I my my day to day you know I would I'd be like yeah McDonald's not a problem I'll have that for lunch every single day doesn't matter yeah I'll I'll go and drive absolutely everywhere walking what's that like I remember the first day like you lived on the fifth floor of uh, one of the the flats in um, in the middle of Basingstoke and I turned up at your flat to work from your office for the day. And you went, we're taking the stairs. I went, are you having a laugh, mate? <laughs> we're taking the <laughs> stairs. There's a perfectly good lift. There's three perfectly good lifts over there. And um, and, it, and it was sort of from that moment that things weren't normal. Um, you know, and from that all the way through to um, my favourite one, you were so proud of it, is that you had a, um, a 20 watt, portable charger that you bought on amazon for like 20 quid on sale uh, that you used to charge in starbucks and then use at home so you didn't have to pay electricity to charge your own phone <laughs> was... yeah i don't think i charged my own phone at home for probably three to five years <laughs> it was but like it makes quite a lot of sense but who does that alan who does that <laughs> and it was it was so funny like all of these small little quirky things and you know, the, the window would be wide open all day, every day, throughout every season. So it was either Baltic or sweltering. Um, <laughs> but it was like, whilst bizarre and, and to me, you know, a totally different world and, and, and a totally different way of doing things. It was also like super inspiring and, and it woke me up quite a lot. You know, and like, I was young, I was pretty useless. So around 18, all I cared about was drinking and women, you know. Um, and, it, and it was really, really quite cool to, to hang out in such close proximity with somebody that just knows exactly what it is that needs to be done, like ruthless passion and and just this, it's just this raw energy. And I think, you know, everybody that's listened to this podcast before and, and if you're new, welcome, um, like the power and the energy that you have, Alan, is just, I, I've never met, I still to this day haven't met anybody that has that sort of, that energy for anything. So, you know, working in close proximity with somebody that's just moving mountains in order to help other people and and do this stuff in in such a cool 
business as well was was amazing and it was really incredible so even though I had to walk up five flights of stairs every time I wanted to come into your flat (laughs) it was awesome it was a really really cool experience and yeah you know there's a reason that I'm still here seven eight years later I cannot believe it's been seven or eight years um I really cannot believe it's been seven or eight years obviously some things have worked like from that first year what made you want to run and what made you want to stay? Like speaking to everyone else out there who's bringing on their first member of staff, what can they learn from what I did really badly and what I did really well? Because there was times it went very well and there were times that we had our moments. Mm, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, Lord knows we've clashed uh, a, a lot over the years. But I think what I find quite interesting is, is that we never really crashed, clashed in the early days. We never clashed in the early days. And I think that's partly proximity. You know, we're we're working together. We're working in your flat every single day for months. Welcome to my house. Come and sit around my my table. I made you breakfast a few times. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with the man whose house I'm sat in. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, and, and when you've got that proximity and when you're working with each other on everything there isn't much room to clash and actually you sort of form this really cool space in which you can coexist and and you know you know what each other does you know each other how each other work you know when you need to take breaks you know when you need to force the other person to take breaks um and then like you know over the years as the business has grown the team has grown my responsibilities have grown your responsibilities have grown and changed um like that's when we start that's when the clashes start mm. to happen, but they're not for, they're not bad. It, you know, it's not clashing because we don't get on. It's clashes because, you know, a, one way of thinking builds the business and then it's a different way of thinking that sustains and grows the business from there. And, and you know, like that, I think those, it's those growth points, I guess. And, um, you know, the times where we've been challenged in the times where the business has really been going against the rough, um, in prep to get some of the smooth it's I think it's in moments like that when we clash but it's all it's all from a growth point of view and we and and it's all you know done for the same reason so yeah and like going back to the actual question that you asked of you know what went really well why am I here still um I think it's <laughs> still, <laughs> still still <laughs> it's um for me I think it comes down to purpose and mission and values and like you know when you turn up somewhere and you know that there is absolutely nowhere else that you need to be that's it's where you should be it's where you belong it's comfortable it's exciting it's challenging um and and you just there is no no thought process that there is anything else that you should be doing that's what sort of kept me and and it's super interesting because before before I met you, I had no like startup business was not in my scope. No. Business wasn't in my scope. I did I think I did business at a GCSE level, which let's be honest is basically just a GCSE and being able to talk my way <laughs> through things and persuade someone that I know what I'm on about. Um, but like I don't know, it, it just it was just this super cool open environment. I had autonomy from day one, which is so so valuable and you know we've had we've had a pandemic like you know people know what is valuable to them we're seeing a huge shift in how people want to work where they want to work it's now a much more competitive market for employers 
to to keep good people because they need to make the environment so flexible and work for them. And, and you know, back when I joined, nine to five, go to the office, commute, sit in traffic for three hours a day. That was what you did. That was the norm. Um, you know, whereas I, I sort of joined and day one, it was autonomous and it was, here's the space I need you to help in. There's some other bits that you might duck in and out of as well, but you have control over your time. You can choose where you work. You can choose when you work, as long as I can get hold of you. Um, and, and I think for me, that was challenging, but massively. It comes valuable. with a downside. It definitely yes. comes with a downside because there's a whole self-motivation piece that turning up into the office does get you to do things. And yeah, it does. It does change things. I, I had a couple of years of working for myself. I spent many years working for myself because when did you join Henry? 2016? 2016. So I went self-employed in 2008. So I'd had like seven years working for myself before then. And Mm. the first couple of years were very hard because when it was going badly, I just wanted to hide under the duvet, lie on the couch and watch a movie. And it took me a good few years of pain to realize if I don't do the work, it doesn't happen. So I was always already like highly motivated when you showed up. But I know that transition can be very difficult. Simon, I think, found that transition difficult coming from the full-time job to back to working for Rebel. Uh, And there were definitely ups and downs and rollercoaster moments that he didn't tell me about when he came back. But that transition can be hard from... There's a regimented schedule with a clear list of things to do and someone who will tell me off if I don't to I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, wherever I want, with whomever I want. What am I going to do today? Uh, And that can lead to all sorts of interesting moments. Mm. I think I think what was quite interesting as well, because I was I was a very young hire, you know, you sort of hiring for a junior role. Um, So I was coming from, you know, as we say, not. I wasn't mid-career, so I didn't come with a load of skills. I didn't come with any expectations. But that meant for, from an autonomy point of view, I also didn't come understanding the value of autonomy. No. And 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 or any experience in how to be autonomous, you know. And and I think what, what I have learned over the years as we've brought new people in and, and we've brought people in from different levels of, of, of their career, you know, we'll, we'll bring some people in, like Kimberly, who's in the team, who has been through, who's worked for a very long time, has had careers and having autonomy and total choice over what days, when, how, all of that stuff is so, it's like priceless because it fits around life and it becomes, you know, like we spend so much time working, like work-life balance is something that people throw around so much. And I'm actually, I don't believe that work-life balance truly exists in a physical sense it's not about how much time you spend on both it's about how you feel and how comfortable you are that you are succeeding in both and you are comfortable with both and like you need to live with work work is always going to be there you like you need to love it and you need to absolutely crack on with it because it's, it's part of life and and you know having autonomy is it's a staple part it's a pillar part of making work traditionally work as you know a negative thing work for you as part of your life because it needs to fit around the stuff you're doing you know we've got kids we've got houses we've got pets we've got things that rely on us that we need to be around for so you know being out of the house or being not having choice over where we are and what we're doing can have a detrimental effect 
to life or it can stop you doing a bunch of stuff in life if that's how it's set up. So let me just put another side to this and see what you think, because we have hired people over the years and given them full autonomy. And it's felt to me like they've vanished and nothing happens. Mm. And I maybe see them a month later and I'm like, what are you doing? No one's showing up to these events and I get frustrated and angry. And I don't know, maybe they were doing stuff, but it just wasn't the right stuff. The results weren't there at the end. I, I get super annoyed understandably because it's like the company's reputation and the client and what's going on and that autonomy I think has led to the downfall of some people that have joined us because they cannot get themselves to do anything without being around us Mm. I don't know whether that's fair or not and you might have a different point of view no I I think that I think that is true in a lot of in a lot of cases and and I don't think it's it's not a a malicious thing. I don't think it's ever been a malicious thing. No. I think some people just are not cut out for an autonomous, a totally autonomous workflow. Um, I think, you know, some people would like some autonomy. Some people like, you know, 20% of their time, they need to know exactly what to do and how to do it. Um, and I think the, um, the, the challenge that we've got as entrepreneurs building businesses like we've got to find people that are almost as passionate as we are about the business to be able to deliver it in the way that we want them to. And and I think that's something that we have really struggled with um, on and off over the years. And I guess, yeah, when you need, you need to have sight. And I think it's a mixture of things. It's, it's partly autonomy, but when you've got, Autonomy, which means you've got no sight of what somebody's doing through the day because they're they're choosing and they're doing it. And then all you have sight of is the outcome or lack of. What becomes quite interesting is you've got to try and figure out, like, is it a communication thing? Because we have had members of the team who have been doing stuff and they've been working really hard and doing really busy, but not quite getting the outcomes. And And actually, if we had better vision and sight of what they were doing and how they were doing it we would be able to troubleshoot and solve some of it and and like and i've had that you know that's that's that was me in the early days because um i i my output was way lower than what it is now um and that sort of (laughs) part of that comes with um with age and learning um Mm -hmm. but i was um you know i was not nearly as motivated i didn't i didn't quite you know when someone gets it I, i didn't get it in the first year, I didn't sort of know what what, what was going on. Um, Why would you? Why would you yeah. get it? You're still getting started. You still don't know. Like, that's my job to help you learn that stuff. And that's actually what I saw as a huge part of my role was to go, read this book, listen to this course, listen to this podcast. Okay, you won't read. Well, I'm going to force you to listen to the podcast whilst we drive for three hours and then we'll discuss it and I will ask you awkward questions. Um, I saw it as my job to help indoctrinate you into the self-development um learning building business creative way and sometimes i had huge energy to do that sometimes i felt like i'm just fighting members of staff to get them to learn Mm. yeah yeah and and you know what like so many people have the the and we've spoken about this a number of times that self-development has such a, a connotation of i'm broken if i need it 
Um, <laughs> you know, like we all, we all know somebody who's who said that, or you know, so I I I used to believe that. I used to go, well, why would I learn? I've left school. I've done that now. Why do I need to learn more? Mm-hmm. Um, especially about myself. What does that mean? Um, and but actually, it's it's not. You don't have to do it to because you're broken. You do it because you want to develop. It's it's about getting better as yes as you you know doing whatever it is you want to do um and yeah you know we we have struggled with that through the years with with different members of the team and and we've got quite a heavy learning culture in rebel we're a learning business like literally we teach people stuff like that's literally the business (laughs) can i tell my favorite learning story henry yeah of course is it about me like no it's not it's about (laughs) another very young member of staff he was 17 when he joined and like he did some good stuff and then he did some bad stuff and then he went missing and I was desperately trying to get him to learn. And I was like, you've got to read this book. He's like, I don't like reading. Okay. Well, listen to the audio book. I don't really like listening. It's like, okay, well you like, I know you like YouTube. You're a YouTube creator. Watch these YouTube videos. And like, I was desperately trying to get him to learn because I couldn't get him to do what we needed to do. And he wasn't, we weren't thinking the same way and stuff wasn't happening. And eventually one day he snapped at me and he's like, Alan, you can't force me to learn. (laughs) And I remember being a little shocked and then thinking, you're right. I can't force you to learn. You're definitely in the wrong business. And that was the end. I think he lasted two more weeks and that was it. Um, But it is really fascinating when you put the pressure on people, which way they go and like, I like to think I've always been the person that goes, like, if you try something and you fail, I don't care. I'll support you. If nothing happens and nothing changes, then we got a problem. Um, and I've always tried to say that to you. And I remember drum- mm. drumming it into you and Jack. Like, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you have a problem. I don't care if you make a mistake and get high on drugs and get put in prison. I don't care. I will uh- help you fix it. If it's a pattern, then I do care. But if it's a one-off problem, just tell me about it. We'll figure it out and like I help you fix it. Doesn't really matter. Um, mm. Yeah, thoughts and comments on that. Do you remember when I transferred two grand to the wrong bank account? Oh my god, was it two? <laughs> I thought it was five. I can't remember. Like it was oh, it a lot of money. I think it was five k. Five's just an upside down two. It's fine. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Says the man who's now in charge of our finances. <laughs> yeah, I um, I was trying to pay an invoice. Um, I think it was an international invoice, so it wasn't just as simple mm-hmm. as click new payee. But um, yeah, I uh, trying to make an international payment and um, sent five grand to uh, some bank account. We don't know which one it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I remember, oh, and and you know, like when you you make a bank transfer, and and the bank goes, like, are you sure? Are you sure you're are sure? You sure? This box, make yeah. sure you're sure. And I went, yeah, obviously, I'm sure. So I ticked it, went on. And then I looked, I went, oh, that's not the right one. I'm not sure. Oh, <laughs> I'm not I'm, sure. I wasn't sure. <laughs> and, and, um, and I remember, I think I sat on it for, like, you know, we react emotionally, you mm-hmm. know. So in the moment, I was going, oh, my God, I have completely got this wrong. This is a huge amount of money. It's the end of the world. Everything's going to blow up. And then um, and I think after a couple of hours, I just sort of sat in it and I went, okay, well, Surely there's a way of fixing it. I'm not sure. I'm just going to, I have to let Alan and Simon know because it's their business and they're at some point going to go, where's that five grand gone? 
Yeah, um, especially if you pay them again with a separate five grand. It'd be like, Henry, you paid that twice. Yeah. Why have you paid them 10? Oh, we didn't. Um, yeah, so, so, but that I think that was my favourite and probably actually most recent because um, that wasn't long ago. That was like no, it was a year, a year ago, ago, maybe yeah. two. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, it, it got to, it was very, I think almost instantly, I think I called you and went, so I've done this. And I think you instantly laughed at me. Um, I don't think it was, you know, there was no anger. There was no, you know, what the F have you done? There was no, I didn't get fired. You know, like all of this stuff that when we make mistakes, you know, we, we make up in our minds of what could possibly happen in the outcome. Um, and I just rang you and you just, I think you called me a dickhead, but you just laughed. Um, and, and we had a really good chat and laugh about it. And then, you know, and sort of went, okay, well, what can we do? Let's, let's do this stuff to get it back. And, um, and in the end, I think we did get it back and, and everything was okay. Took quite was, a few months, didn't it? Like that five grand was gone for quite a few months, but you did get it back. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, there's, there's a headspace thing and there's a, you know, that was a job that I wasn't, didn't have on my to-do list, but then suddenly I did. And mm-hmm. all of the stuff that comes with when we make mistakes. But there was no mu- nowhere near as much headspace taken up than if I was trying to cover it up and hide it and pretend that it hadn't happened to pretend everything's fine. So like, I think that is something that we have always carried through. And, and again, that's been since day one um, of me being in the company was like, if something's wrong, it's okay. Just tell me. Um, and, and that, you know, that's something I still repeat to our team now. Um, if, some, if something goes wrong, if you're not happy, if, you know, for whatever reason, if something's uncomfortable, call it. Like yeah. let's, let's sort it out first because otherwise it grows and it becomes this ugly thing and regardless of how small and meaningful it might be these things grow if they don't get solved these things get bigger and they become they, they inflate so i actually remember you making that call and from my side in my head my first reaction was you bleep 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 absolute bleep <laughs> ah! uh, and then i in I've had this feeling inside of okay, this is a time to practice what I've been telling people because if I don't deliver what I've been telling, like that culture doesn't exist. So it's like sigh, <laughs> laugh a bit. <laughs> you like that's set for the Americans out there. That's like seven and a bit thousand dollars. Uh, he sent to the wrong place. I was like, okay, let's just laugh about this, and we just got to figure it out. There's a way to get this money back. There's a way to figure this out. We can do it together. And we can fix it. But it was an opportunity for me to practice what I'd been saying. And I think in a lot of companies, you've actually got a difference between the practice and the 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 message of like, it's okay to make mistakes, but when it happens, what's the actual response? And I think that's really critical. And I think as a manager, I'm allowed my first response of... Argh! But then I have to come back to a place and go, okay, like it's happened, never mind. And like, we'll figure it out together. Um, but I think that's that's one of the key bits in culture, which you and I have spoken a lot about culture. And I know with Simon as well, of creating a culture. Because what are we up to in the team now? Like, this is a really bad question for someone who co-owns the business. But how many people no. do we employ? I thought you meant what are we up to is in like, what do we do? What does what the team no, do? No, I know what um, we do. I set the mission in the first place. Anyway. Um, yeah, we're, we're 11, 11 now, soon to, to grow again by a few. Which I think one of the biggest challenges we had in culture was, so we hired, I hired you, Simon came back 
And then I think a month later, I randomly hired Jack. It's about uh, a year and later. And it was was it about a year later? Okay, uh, before you got your little brother joined the company, uh, which <laughs> and it's quite interesting. Then the four of us just hung out together for like a year or two afterwards. It felt like a small thing, and I think the biggest challenge for us was Simon and I and Jack and Henry. We spent our whole time together, so the culture was built there. And then by the time we made the next hires, we'd stopped. We weren't as involved with those people. Like we kind of had at that stage, I was running courses like every week and I was on stage. So I wasn't spending as much time like training those messages of if you make a mistake, it's okay. If you don't know what to do, it's okay. And I think the next couple of people, we really struggled to make that work and they're no longer with us. And part of that was because like that initial culture wasn't getting through in the same way and it was different. Uh, and then I was annoyed because I did feel like stuff didn't happen. Yeah. And and actually what, what I have learned, and, and this is kind of a recent, I'll say recent learning, like three years, um, as employee number one, culture is paramount. Culture is the thing. It's the responsibility of, of employee number one. Because the way that we work, you know, the, the raw culture that we were figuring out in those first few months and then we bring in Simon in as well. And that, that culture that for that, that time was quite fluid. And obviously when Jack came in and then because we had such a long period where it was the four of us with a couple of like contractors around the outside, that's, that's where the culture sort of got really cemented in. And then, and as you say, it's, it's, you know, it's this proximity thing because you and Simon were, were out delivering and, and it's a very time heavy thing, business that we've created, um, that when we bring other people in, that was on me and, uh, and a little bit on Jack to, to make and sure. And I didn't tell you it was, <laughs> I just left you to do it. Oh, bad. Management. I don't think we knew. I don't think we knew. No, we and, didn't know. You know. I didn't know that was it. We're just like, okay, we've got to do this. you uh, I'm off. You run that. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and there was, there was so many months that we were, you know, I'd, I'd sort of working in Starbucks with other members of staff, you know, people coming and going and, and we sort oh, of hand mill we... Starbucks for an entire month. I think you wanted to die after that month. I did. I did. It was, um, you know, one of those like new Starbucks that have got glass everywhere. So as soon as the sun hits it, it's just ridiculous. Hot. Yeah. It was one of those. But um, I, I think it's, it's super, super interesting that like, Culture really does, culture breeds culture and, and, and it can either be good or it can be toxic. Mm-hmm. And, and I've, I've, there's not really an in-between and, and it needs, the culture needs to work and, and having that understanding, you know, if, if we'd have known that, if we'd have, if I'd have been aware of that, if, if you'd have been aware of that, I think we'd, we'd have had a better run with a lot of those members of staff, they might still not have been right for different reasons, but I think our culture let them down just because we didn't have the visibility and we, and we struggled. And, and I think it was actually, um, even through um, lockdowns and stuff, we, we struggled to break out of what we used to call the core team. And, yeah. and, and, we, and, you know, and we used to use that sort of phrase, like the core team, the wider team, and then the contractors. And like, no wonder we we don't feel like they're involved. We're not. We're, no, we're literally calling them the wider team, um, and and you know, and that was based on. I think for a long time we sort of pegged that to them going, you know, to not being fully bought in on the mission or um, 
like all all of these different things that we were sort of you know going is it that do, do they do they care do they want to be here uh, is this just a stepping stone job are they looking for something else like what's the reason that we're not getting them fully bought in and I look back at it now and it, it's culture it was culture and we and we didn't create the space not not purposefully you know not we weren't maliciously going hey you're not part of our club it was we just didn't we just didn't create the culture that could breed I think we, we we sort of found our what worked and we really did like we moved mountains as a as the four of us we did colossal amounts of work um and then I think that just made it it made it hard for people to to get involved and especially when we weren't aware that we needed to 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 shift to get them involved you know I think I always knew I had to shift to get them involved and I worked really hard, but I didn't always have the time to deal with, like to sit with them. I think in the early days, you and I would literally sit together and do spreadsheets together, do marketing together. Like we sat and did everything together. Then the business got so busy with the next members of staff. Like I don't think I ever particularly sat with them. I'd just tell them I want this, this and this done. And I would always try and set the culture of like, I'm telling you to do this. If you can't do it, come and talk to me. But I'd never hear from them again and it would never get done or it wouldn't get done quite right or it would fail or stuff. Um, I tried desperately to set that. So let's, let's make it really practical for everyone listening now. How do you build a culture from employee number one and onwards? Like we've spoken about this magic culture and the beliefs. How do you build a culture? How do you create it? And I've got some ideas to chip in myself, but like, take me through this. Like, how do you build a good company culture? Oh, that's the magic question. I mean, like straight off the bat, I, I don't have all the answers. I've got the scars. I've definitely got the scars <laughs> from trying. Um, and I think for me, it's there's something about... Um, it's have enabling them to have a platform. And I think that the big thing that, that has hugely changed, um, positively changed the culture and accelerated the culture within rebel is everybody has a platform to talk, to create the job, make the job into their own. And, and it's sort of like part autonomy, but, you know, also going, um, it really doesn't work when we do stuff like this. Or can we change meetings to be this long instead? Because I don't like being on Zoom for an hour. And and it's and it enabling people to have that platform to share those thoughts comfortably. And you know, it, it's it's always difficult for everyone that's been in a in a corporate job. It is really difficult to go to your manager and ask them to change something. It's like almost impossible. But actually, that's one of the paramount things. Everyone that joins the team, the first thing we say is like, "Tell us what you don't like." And, and then we'll catch up with them every month. What what don't you like? What's working? What's not working? And we're sort of constantly troubleshooting and talking and communicating so that everybody in the team feels like they are part of creating it. And you'll notice this with clients. And we've always said this about clients, that the, the best ones are the ones that are involved in creating what we sell mm-hmm. them. And if we can sit in a meeting with them, design the course, design the engagement with their community, they're the ones that always best perform and always come back. And it's exactly the same with your team. You need to create the business with them. Even if you've been doing it for years and you know the ins and outs of everything, how it's going to work, they need to be a part of shaping what it is because otherwise they just won't be in, they won't be involved emotionally. Um, and 
that that sort of ties in very closely with um, this this whole thing called purpose and mission. And like purpose, I'm I'm still trying to figure out exactly what purpose is, um, and I don't think we'll ever really truly know. But it's if you are aligned with the people that are in your team for what you are trying to achieve together beyond your time, you know, it's not just about what you can do this week, next month, next year. Like what can you create that creates lasting change? If you've got people that are truly, truly bought in and match your values, all of it becomes easy because as soon as there's problems, you know, if there's disagreements, if things are rough, if things are difficult, all you need to do is just zoom out, go back to the, the purpose, the mission and go, here's what we're trying to do this is what we're trying to create so where is it that the problems are happening at what level of detail below that um so i think yes it's it's autonomy giving a platform to to change change the role and a match in purpose those for me are the, are the sort of staple parts of culture um to get the team really really cooking and really in love with what it is you do i love that so i've got a few to add but before we do that purpose when did you connect with the purpose of the business? How's it evolved? Do you think it was clear from the start? Like, what do you what do you think of the rebel purpose? We were called Pop Up at the time. I can't even mention that without the brand police coming for uh-huh. me. Um, don't tell Jack. But, no, don't tell Jack. Uh, but yeah, like that purpose was it always there from the start, or we, yeah, what's changed? It was. The purpose has always been there, but not necessarily identified or spelled out. Mm. And and I, and I can only describe it as, like, there are times where we would be in a tricky situation with a client at a course, and we wouldn't even need to discuss it. We would make a decision based on what we are there for. Mm-hmm. And... and I think it's developed in that we've gotten more targeted with it. So, you know, back then it was, we are here to help people. Debt is bad. We are here to help people, regardless of how big the problem is, regardless of what it is, we are here to serve and we are here to help better everyone's life. And that was it. And and that came through in all of our decision-making. Like, um, I always remember it was quite early on. Do you remember we went to Ellesmere Port? Oh, Ellesmere Port. Oh, yes, I do. Up on lovely. the Wirral. Yes, lovely as my port. And, and and that was like, I think, one of the earlier courses. That was one of the first courses that we ran. And it's me, you and Simon. We were there for the whole week or two. Um, and, and it was just levels of work that we would do that was, you know, to the point like we had um, one of our attendees uh, had a disability, had a wheelchair in the car, drove there every single day. And she rang me on the, the Monday morning, you know, where everything's haywire everything's going, you know, we're trying to set up chairs, we're trying to set up a projector, the Wi-Fi doesn't work, the venue's not even unlocked yet. Like, <laughs> nothing makes sense in those moments on a Monday morning. Of Normal a, a life. School. Yep. No. Uh, and, and, um, and, and, and she rings me, her name was Angela, and she rang me, she went, oh, I've arrived, um, I don't suppose you could help me, like, get out of the car and put my wheelchair together, could you? And not, not in one moment had I ever been told that that was part of my job. You know, and and you know, you've always heard someone say that's not in my it's job not in description. my job description. Oh, I hate those words beyond belief. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, not any hesitation. I went absolutely, not a problem. I'll be there in a minute. Hang up the phone. I turn to you. 
Alan, I'm just going to go help Angela put her wheelchair together and get her out of the car. No hesitation. Spot on. See you in a minute. I'll handle this. And and it's just, you know, the purpose was never written down. It was never said. We, we, we didn't have like, you know how most companies will have that sexy one-liner that's like, this is our purpose. We didn't have that because we were, we were small. We were a developing business. But it was always present and it was just to serve and it was just be there, help people as much as humanly as humanly possible. Um, and I think as we've developed, it's become more important to be able to be clear on it because it's it's something that more and more people have to buy into. Um, and, um, you know, like when you're hiring people, you've got to kiss a lot of frogs. You kiss a lot of frogs before you <laughs> find a prince, right? And... Um, are you I, my prince, Henry? Are you oh, my prince? You struck gold on on higher one, <laughs> um, and it's um, and I think the purpose can be can actually fast track finding the right people. I don't think it will fix underperforming members of staff, but it will help you weed out the ones that are absolutely for your business and the ones that aren't. Um, and I and I think we've gotten closer. And I don't think we've nailed it now. You know, I don't think we truly know the whatever that one liner is for our purpose. And I and I believe that it might change. Um, but now, you know, we, we sort of went through as pop up was growing, it, it became, you know, anybody can start a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone doesn't matter your starting point, doesn't matter your position, your background. Anyone can start a business. It's accessible. Um, and then and, and, you know, for a long time, it was about taking down um, business plans and debt. And that, mm-hmm. that was the focus. It was it was an attack of like that is wrong. And we still should... a bit of that. It's, oh, that's still at the heart of that's still very much at the heart but that was like outwardly the yeah the mission right and, and then it became actually no anybody can do this this is about anybody being able to do it and then you fast forward to now and we're not even talking about business anymore you know we're talking about anybody has the opportunity to build a better life because it's not just business that we're teaching we're, we're diving headfirst into finance we're talking about um doing some youth engagement stuff now and, and we're doing employment. I ran a fir- our first employment course in the middle of Hackney a couple of weeks ago. And, and you know, we, we've, I think this stuff does change, but I bought into that, not immediately, and I'm not going to say, it was day one, I fell in love with the job because um, I, I was still climbing up five flights of stairs, Alan. You know, I can't buy into a mission <laughs> one. <didn't I>? um, <laughs> but it was... It, it was early on and it was in those moments where we would go to South Kilburn and we're in South Kilburn studios mm. with 45 people every Wednesday for five weeks. And, and it was in those moments of we're going to sit down, listen, understand and help in whatever it is. And it doesn't matter if you've already had a business idea for 10 years and you know exactly what you need to do. You just need to tell someone that, you know, all the way down to you're homeless. All you've got is a broken iPad and someone else's stuff to sell same same support every single person got the same amount of attention the same amount of love and I, I think it was in those moments that really shaped it and and it was very early on that um, I knew I was going to be here for a while I just had to let you let me uh. <laughs> <laughs> well it's quite interesting I think that energy of I've always said like anyone who comes on the course I don't really care if you start a business I just want to help you improve your life but like to sell the courses, we have to sell it to the funders as it will start businesses. Otherwise, they won't give us the money to do it. And I always remember, I think it was one of the Reading courses. Not sure if you were there. There was a lady came in and basically said, I don't have money for food. Um, but she had some stuff to sell. And I was like, 
Jack, you take photos, you put it online, we'll do this. And we're selling her stuff, we're creating this, we're doing that. We had another one in Croydon where a lady came in and she's like, I'm going to be evicted. I'm like, okay, figure it out. Henry, you get a truck here to get her stuff to sell. You do this, I'll ring the housing association. And like, you just pull that team together. And I think any business course would have gone like, that's not our problem. We'll help you write a business plan. But that was never our thing. It was always, I don't care what your problem is, let's figure this out together, which I actually think is part of the company culture. I think it's, that's part of, we can do anything together. I don't care what it is, we'll figure it out, we can do anything together. And that's always been my bit. So we did actually have a member of staff, same one who said, you can't force me to learn, told me it wasn't in his job description. And like, I knew that was, that's the red flag because I don't care if it's in your description, it's a problem that exists for a client, someone in the course, it's one of us. I remember you crashing your car and I, did I say, well, that's your problem? <laughs> I was like, no, it was like, okay, let's figure this out. Come here, Henry, we'll sort this out. And that's part of life. I crashed my car many times and I didn't have someone to help me figure it out. Uh, so I wanted to be that person for other people. And I think, that's part of the company culture and i think these stories that you tell like if you talk about forming company culture i think it's about telling the new members of staff the stories how we react what we do in those situations i think it's the storytelling about the past mm. experiences as well that will help form that company culture yeah a hundred percent I mean, that that is actually something you've you've just touched on, which um, like me crashing my car, one of my the funniest <laughs> moments of uh, of my pop uh, up career. Wasn't at funny time. at the time. I um, <laughs> I was on my way to Croydon, where we were running mm -hmm. the Croydon course, um, and I just basically like I missed a turning, so lost concentration, looking at the sat nav, getting angry didn't know what was going on and then uh, like crashed careered into the back of the person in front of me um they got out of course they were a police officer on their way to work <laughs> like if you're going to crash into someone do it properly don't waste your time crashing into anyone crash into a police officer that's the way to go uh, <laughs> and, and it was it was just like and I'd never never been through that before and you know hadn't been driving long just but like, you know, when you first get into a, a car crash, you just don't know the process. You have no idea what you need to do next. So the, my first thing before I rang my dad, before I rang uh, 999 to the emergency services to, to make sure everyone was okay, before I rang my insurance or like breakdown recovery, I rang you. I went, Alan, I'm not going to be able to get to Croydon very quickly. <laughs> he went, why? I went, car crash. And you went, Oh, so you're in a bit of traffic? I went, no, I've crashed my I car. Crashed, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, ah, oh, don't worry. And and again, it was it was that instant shift. And and this is something like if you're bringing on members of staff, like we we've been talking a lot about you know nothing is too big of a problem, and and we definitely carried that through all of our courses. It is so. It is exactly the same with your team members, whether they're contractors or, you know, full paid members of staff or partners. You know, if it's someone that you've partnered with on your business, nothing is too big of a problem. Everything is solvable. And at that moment, 
you know, in my head, I was going the course. What about the course? I need to set out 80 chairs in Croydon, but I can't do that. I've crashed. Um, you know, the, the normal things you go through your head when you've crashed your car. Um, but again, it's that moment where you went, don't worry about it. Me and Simon have got it. We'll handle it. You just sort yourself out. You get sorted and let us know how we can help. And it's moments like that where, you know, I'm already bought into the mission. I already love the culture. I already love every the, the day in, day out of the business. But moments like that, that are just, they, they are just outstanding moments that you always remember because it's not about having a blanket approach. Like we, 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 sp- we speak a lot about equality and, and equality gets thrown around a lot. It's, but it's not about equality, it's about equity. And it's about giving people what they need in exactly the moment they need it in, in order to get them to that equal part. That, and, that, and that's what that whole thing's about. And, that, and that's exactly what happened in that moment. Uh, and the moments afterwards, you know, and then me going, oh, no, now I don't have a car. And then you helped me with that. And, you know, and, and there was this there's big, long trail of stuff and things will always go wrong. Things will always go wrong, especially with members of staff. And it will always happen at the worst moment. I can promise you that. Uh, <laughs> but like, it, it is in those moments that you really get to prove as a leader, as a business owner, as a person what kind of culture you want to live, breathe and, and create. And, 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 and I think that for me is one of the really, really staple moments in this entire noise and mess that has been the last uh, you know, almost decade. It's one of, it's one of those moments that I, re- I look back on and I go, yeah, I work for a very good company. I love that. I love that. So you've just taken on, we've taken on a whole group more people and we have the teams expanded with Halima and Kiona and um, Kimberly. And like, we've got this whole group of amazing people. Ewan's just joined. What have you done for them to make their transition into the business easy? How have you made it easy for them to join and fit in? Because sometimes companies stop people giving their best. Not maliciously but just like the way things are set up the way things start how have you made it easy for people to join yeah it's um whether easy is the right word or not i don't know um mm. but it's i think easier than easier I made it for you. More, yeah more, more comfortable um less stairs um i think for me it was <laughs> um again it goes back to that equity thing and, and what i mean by that so you know you've got equality equality is everybody gets exactly the same treatment and and you know in society we are striving for equality and but actually equality doesn't always work if people are at different starting points so equity is about giving everybody the things they need so that they can be on a level playing field um and i, I think that the best way of describing that the best um sort of analogy I've seen for that is um, you've got three people stood behind a fence trying to watch a football match on the other side, uh, all at different heights. If we were being equal, we would give all of them the same sized box to stand on. The short one still can't see over the wall. The tall one can really see over the wall. And the medium one sort of, you know, when it's like half in your vision, half not, they've got to jump up and down a little bit. That's equality. Equity the tall one doesn't need a box because they can already see. The short one needs two and the one in the middle needs one. And and like you can create that even vision. Everybody can see the match. Everybody can see everything. But you are giving each individual the exact things they need 
to be able to, to be able to get to that starting point. Um, so like things that we've done, like we, we've done a bunch of stuff and, and like, you know, we, we've, um, during lockdown, for example, everybody got a budget for stuff for home, things that you need to make life more comfortable. And, and, you know, again, if we were, if we were a bigger business that needed to make brash equality decisions, everybody would get an office chair and everyone gets the same office chair and you have no decision in it. Whereas we went, here's a budget, go and spend the budget and expense it and just let me know what you've done. But whatever you need to make your life more comfortable. And it was brilliant. We got some people buying desk plants because they wanted more well-being, wanted to feel a bit fresher in the room. Some people bought desks. I bought a um, I bought a chair and a ring light because I was always on Zoom. And, and, and it was just this really nice... I know that everybody gets what they need, but I also know that everyone's different. And if I was to try and figure that out, like how long am I going to be trying to work out what everybody wants? Like You can't figure that out. They have to tell you. Yeah. That's one of the core tenets of my idea about this is I'm not a mind reader. You have to tell me, otherwise I won't know. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And And... So, you know, we do things like that. There is also, um, you know, we talk around what hours do you want to work? Like what would work best for you? Are you a morning person? Are you a late person? Are you going to be up at two in the morning doing this stuff? If so, that's cool. Like don't work first thing in the morning. Um, when we group, when we book in group calls, you know, we're, we're, everybody tells us yes or no. And it, it does mean that things, sometimes things can take longer than others. You know, when you're going around to 11 different people going, is nine all right? Is nine all right? Is nine a.m. all right? Um, but in doing so, it means that everybody is there on the same playing field because everybody's been a part of the decision. And it's it's just such a, a powerful thing. I think one of one of the big things that we, we do quite well is um, expenses and, and what people can expense, how they expense it. Um, like we... We've recently done this, and we we didn't do it for a while, where everybody gets a company card. It doesn't matter if they've been there for 10 minutes. It doesn't matter if they've been there for 10 years. Everybody has a company card. That's not normal. That you know, that's Most employees don't have any sort of sight of finance, let alone control over what it's spent on. But when you can go, like, here's yours. You are part of the team. We trust you. We love you. Here is access to our money. And here's even what, if you send five grand to the wrong place, even if you send five grand to the wrong place, that's not a challenge. No one in our team, please try and do that and beat it. Um, but like, you know, and, and we know that not all of the teamwork, uh, they haven't got their own place to work. Uh, for example, so, so Halima lives at home. Halima, most of the time, work from home, absolutely fine. Sometimes a bit busy, a bit loud, need to get out. I need my own space. Yes, of course, we will cover coffee, go to a cafe, do what you want. Like, it's on us, it's fine. And it's it, it's incredible what happens when you take away the layer of, like, oh, no, that, that's going to cost me money to travel. Oh, no, I've got to buy coffee while I'm in there. Like, we, we know that we need to enable that sort of stuff to get the best out of people because they're going to be comfortable and they're going to be happy. And, and we want them to be in the best position that they possibly can for, you know, what, $3 for a good coffee? 
like you get way way better work out of somebody that is in a nice environment drinking great coffee in an environment they love than forcing them to be in one that they don't and i think that that's one of our big things and we've we've always done that we have always we've always been like that but it's something that i'm dedicated to carrying on doing so before we close up uh and deliver our final messages henry are there any last stories that you need to tell? Is there anything else people need to know about our relationship together? I, I've got one in mind. So um, one one part, like the, the best thing about working in a small business is that you just never know what is going to happen next. And I will always remember when um, when you rang me and you went, Henry, I've sold a course in Colorado. And I went, sorry, what? <laughs> and you went we're going to Colorado for three weeks to run a course and we're going to run it with Mr Money Moustache and we're going to do this and it's going to be amazing and we've got this and I was pumped like for me a job flying me to America to like my favourite part of America where my brother lived absolutely crack on let's go this is the best thing ever anyway I didn't think it could get better than that fast forward to when we went to the cash and carry to buy some food Oh, Alan no. comes in. <laughs> Alan comes in to uh, Sam's Club. Is it Sam's Club? It was Sam's Club. We went Sam's with Club. Mr. Money Mustache and went to Sam's Club. Yep. And uh, and and me, Simon, Jack, Alan are all in there. And Alan goes out to the car, comes back in with like not the normal Donegan bounce. Like if you ever see Alan in person, you'll notice that he sort of hovers along the floor in this. Um, <laughs> bunny rabbit style and uh, but he didn't have that and I was like oh no what's happened something's happened Alan what's wrong and he looked at me dead in the eye and you went I've just locked the keys in the boot of the car yeah the hire car <laughs> the only set of keys uh, and it's you know one of those ones where the boot opens separately to the rest of the car mm, and you can't you open can't it without in. yeah so um, that was really good on uh, it was a it was a public holiday as well, wasn't it? It was a public holiday. It was Labor Day in America. That was it. <laughs> so uh, and like nothing cements a culture like if you get something wrong, it's okay. Just tell me. Like the owner of the company locking the keys to the only hire car in the boot of the hire car. It was very very funny. So um, for the next uh, what hour. We were sort of working around. I think you spoke to one of the employees who knew how to break into cars. Who was going yes, to break into was, the... His name was Jesus. <laughs> um, that was his name. And yeah, he knew how to do it. So he tried. But he could. He didn't have a coat hanger. Um, anyway, we ended up <laughs> fixing it an hour later. Yeah, but if you ever want proof that I'm not human, I am human just like the rest of us. That was, I have so many of those stories. Like, yeah, and you just have to own it, don't you? I've done this. Head in hands. I'll fix it. I'm sorry. It was, um, it was funny. And, and I'm not really sure why I told that story other than to embarrass you. But it, it's Thanks. everything we do in this company is fun. And I think that's something that we set out very, very early on, that we don't want to do it if it's not fun. If it doesn't further the mission, if it's not fun, why are we even bothering? Um, and, and it's moments like that that you would only get as a super, super small business. But I uh, wouldn't trade it for anything. It was 
it's very very cool and i'm super excited to see what mistakes i make like that uh, with other members <laughs> of the team who knows especially now you're a shareholder and part owner of the business you're allowed to make the mistakes and tell everyone um yeah i don't think i can fire you anymore can i now you own shares oh, I, I, I don't know i don't know you shouldn't have told me that i'm gonna test that out. <laughs> Uh, thank you for being on this journey with me, Henry. Thank you for helping us to fulfill our mission of helping people create better lives. Like it's just been a laugh and fun and engaging and an adventure as business should be. Um, and I think my closing message, well, before I close, Henry, do you have anything else to say to the, the, I think we had 11,000 people listen to the show last week. Um, do you have anything to say to the people listening to the show before I close? Um, I guess parting message is um, like hiring the first employee is stressful for a number of reasons. One, because they're a nightmare like me. Um, <laughs> and, and two, because you don't really know what it is you're hiring them for. And it's mm-hmm. always going to be scary. You're never going to know how much to spend. You're never going to know where to find the right person. Like people don't, there's no way of teaching that. It's something that you have to organically learn. But what I will tell you is, like, find someone entrepreneurial because they are going to need to do a bit of everything for a very, very long time. And they will not be on board, especially if it's employee number one. They will not just be on board for one role. It doesn't exist, not in a small business. Mm-hmm. Um, so hire somebody entrepreneurial and test it. Test it out, give them three months, give them six months, talk to them, make sure it's right for them and you. Um, But yeah, find an entrepreneur because they will help you no end grow the business. uh, Just like I have. (laughs) (laughs) Just like you have, definitely. Um, My final closing message is the belief that we're in this together and it's always better when we're together. It's like you can conquer anything together if you figure it out and developing that attitude amongst you, the people around you, your friends, your contractors of, okay, there's a problem. Let's come together, define the problem, work out what to do. We will not look for blame. We will just look for solutions. The only reason we even talk about what happened is to understand it so that we can make it not happen again in the future. Then we work out because we can figure out anything together. And I think, that's what's exciting about this is when you get your first team member, right, let's figure this out together. It's not all on your head anymore. We're better together. So share what's going on, what's happening, what the mission, the purpose is, that it's okay to make mistakes because we make them as well. And let's do this together. Thank you for listening to The Rebel Entrepreneur. Thank you for being part of the gang. And it is incredible what we can build when we're together. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a rebel entrepreneur.